This programme was produced at and first aired on NPR, Manawatu People's Radio, with support from New Zealand On Air. Kapai Irarangi Tomotu, NPR. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Welcome to Another Day with Amazing Grace Radio. My name's Lynette and I am happy to be here today with my husband, Dennis. Here at Amazing Grace, we want to hear from you. We also have some free um, giveaways and um, one of them is in the local takeaways here called the uh, Little Book Signs and its uh, articles are about health and family and issues we face in life today. And as I said, we'd love to hear from you. Get your feedback. You can email us or text us. The email address is info at mpr.nz or text on 022 15216 and we're also happy to pray for you or a friend or family member off ear or on ear so yeah we'd love to hear from you any um, comments any questions so let's uh, start with a short devotional and I was reading a book called Prayer and Promises for Every Day um, Corey Ten Boone last night, and yeah, it really moved me. But uh, at the beginning, in the intro, it said, How often we cry out to God in times of crisis, small and great, and wish we could hear his voice answering us, assuring us of his help and presence. The Bible is full of such cries for help from men and women just like you and I. Praise God that his word is also filled with his answers, which was a neat thought. And so with that in mind, just um, like to share a little bit from, this is the story of um, Mary and Martha in Luke chapter 10. And Mary's really busy getting ready to provide a meal for Jesus and his closest friends, the disciples. And Mary, her sister, is sitting at Jesus' feet and hearing his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she approached him and she said, Lord, don't. Don't you care that my sister has left me to serve alone? She's distracted with what, with much, many things. Therefore, tell her to help me, she says to Jesus. And Jesus answers and said to her. Now, 
we can put our own name here instead of Martha, Martha. Um, you can put your own name in here, and I'm going to put my name in. Lynette, Lynette, you're worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed. And Mary has chosen that good part, which will not be taken away from her. What had Mary chosen? She had chosen the one thing that is needed in our lives every day to face the challenges, the trials, the happiness and the joys each day. And that is to sit at Jesus' feet and hear his word and to hear it in a way that we hear his voice. And I was um, thinking about Psalms 27 this morning and it also has those words, one thing I've desired of the Lord, that will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord. And I thought, what does it mean to dwell in the house of the Lord? And this other verse came to me that says, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God, in whom will I trust. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for such powerful promises, such um, powerful words in in your word that you say to us. And Lord, we um, ask that you'll guide us today in this program, that you'll speak to the listener, speak to us here, that your spirit will lead. In Jesus' name, amen. And now we're going to have the song... Turn your eyes, turn your eyes upon Jesus.
want to say to you that you are extremely precious, precious in the eyes of God, so precious that Jesus came to this world and was treated with insult and rejected by those whom he came to save. And he loves you so much that he stretched out his hands and allowed his hands and feet to be crucified with nails and he hung on the cross just for you so that you can have hope, meaning and purpose. God loves you that much. And now we're going to do our health segment for today and we have been working through the book Live More Happy by Dr. Darren Morton and he is speaking about the limbic system which he has nicknamed limbo and this is an incredibly important part of our brain and it's situated just under the main part of the brain that looks like a cauliflower and it sits there and it has an incredible effect on our whole thinking it it has um it's the center of emotion. It's the center of motivation, he says. And 
we're up to the third, fourth chapter, I should say, today. But just before I start there, um, he has this acronym, and each chapter uses one of the letters from the word SMILERS. So the second chapter was for the S for the word SMILERS, speak positively. Speak positively, he says, because our limbo is listening. What we say to ourselves and what we say to others has a great effect on our own well-being and thinking. And the third chapter, the acronym, was for the letter M, second letter in the word SMILERS, and M for move dynamically. We're talking about exercise, and not just exercise, but how we sit. All of it also affects our emotion, emotional center in the brain. And now, this chapter, chapter four, is called "Blue and Green." Should often be seen immersed in an uplifting physical environment. Christmas Day, nineteen seventy-seven. When I was a tender seven-year-old, says Dr. Darren Morton, he said it was a memorial um, day for him and not in a good, good way. It started well. I woke up to find a bright green bike under the Christmas tree with my name on it. Of course, I could hardly contain my excitement and desperately wanted to take the new machine for a ride, but it was raining heavily outside. I waited and waited, but by midday it was clear that the rain had set in. So, encouraged by my mum, I decided the maiden voyage would have to be a lap of the hallway in our house. Before proceeding with the story, I need to set the scene by adding that I was wearing only the new Superman underwear that I had always received as a gift that had also received that unforgettable Christmas. So he must have looked quite funny. Trust me, it's an important detail in the story, he says. As I poised with my barefoot on the pedal, about to push off, something completely unexpected and alarming happened. From the ceiling above me fell the biggest and hairiest spider I have ever seen. While huntsman spiders are purportedly harmless, I still maintain that their name implies otherwise. The hairy monstrosity landed directly on my naked knee and prepared itself for the crazy ride that was about to ensue. The moment I caught sight of it on my bare skin, I freaked out that I was wearing Superman underwear did nothing for my courage. I leapt from the bike completely unconcerned about damaging it and began to convulse like a crazy person. Eventually the spider was launched from my knee through the air but the moment it landed it made a mad sprint for my bare foot. The craziness commenced again as I thrashed my leg about until I was freed at last. The reason I remember that experience so well is because it was so emotionally charged 
And as we learned in Chapter 1, that is how our limbo is wired to work. Strong feelings equal strong memories. But the point of the story is that sights can have instant emotional responses and they have this effect because of the way they affect the limbo. Even though the limbo sits in a comfortable cranium away from the world outside, it still knows what is happening out there because it receives messages from the surrounding environment. Our limbo is constantly turning into, sorry, tuning into and picking up cues, sights, sounds, smells from the environment around us. Accordingly, the physical environment we are immersed in can have a profound effect on our limbo and hence our emotional state, even without us recognising and being consciously aware of it. In this chapter, we'll explore how our limbo is wired to our senses and how we can deliberately send uplifting messages to our limbo so we can feel more upbeat. Sight. The eye is a marvellous creation, and for most people, sight is their dominant sense. But when our optic nerves send messages from our retinas to our brain so we can see the messages first go to the limbo, then to the leader, the main part of the brain. Hence our emotional reaction to a sight or image precedes our thinking response. For example, if a so-called friend places a plastic spider on your shoulder, on our shoulder, notice the order of our reaction. First comes an emotional ah, as our limbo sees it, followed a moment later by ah, as our leader, our thinking brain receives the signal and realizes it's a fake. Indeed, our limbo is highly influenced by sights, and because of the way it is wired, its reaction to sights can be almost instant. Research shows that our limbo really likes the sight of natural environments. Studies involving functional magnetic resonance imaging have shown that scenes of natural landscapes light up parts of the limbo associated with positivity, even when the scenes are flashed up in front of someone for only one one hundredth of a second. Wow, this is so fast we probably wouldn't consciously notice it. This goes to show how profoundly perceptive our limbo is of the world around us. In contrast, city scenes increase activity in the part of the limbo associated with threat and stress. As a limbo is also our motivation centre, it is not unexpected that views of natural environments are linked to better performances in the workplace and enhanced academic performance in schools. One critical aspect of the images that enter our eyes that influences how they affect our limbo is their colour. The colour red is associated with danger, so our emotional response is fear and anger. Essentially, it commands a fight-or-flight response. 
it is not surprising that we associate anger with seeing red, and studies have shown that red tends to make people more vigilant, less likely to take risks, and more motivated to avoid things. Other colours can produce different emotional responses. For example, blue tends to make people more open, peaceful and creative. Indeed, colours can affect our mood and behaviours in ways that we are often consciously unaware of. Isn't that interesting? Talking about colour and talking about natural environments and maybe that's why... um, the last few days, just um, about two and a half days, we were in. We stayed in in the bush, in the Rohanis, and yeah, it, it's very, very soothing to um, to to us. And um, yeah, I just felt um, quite invigorated coming away from that experience. So that's our um, health thoughts for today, and we'll have another song now. And it's called um, I Turn to You. I Turn to You. When I'm far away from home And the cold starts to blow And alone, I turn to you. When there's hardness in my heart, and I can't see the truth, and I'm wondering in the dark, I turn. To you. 
just a reminder that you are listening to Amazing Grace and joined by Dennis. And here at Amazing Grace, we would really like to hear from you. And we also have a couple of free giveaways. The book Signs um, magazine, which is a small magazine that you'll find here locally in the Manawatu in Palmerston North Takeaways, articles on health and family and issues we face today, and also the book Steps to Christ. Great little book. And we also are really happy to pray for you or a friend off ear or on ear. You can contact us by email at info at mpr.nz info at mpr.nz or text on 022-6815216 and we'll just have a break now. If you're a fan of NPR, listening to our podcasts and live stream has never been easier. Just search for accessmedia.nz on the App Store or Google Play and download the app with the Kiwi Fruit logo. Once you've got it, pick Manawatu People's Radio from the list of stations and go find your new favourite show. Support this show and others like it by giving a donation. For more information, go to www.mpr.nz forward slash donate. Welcome back to Amazing Grace. And now I'm going to be joined by my husband and he's sharing some um, wisdom from the Bible today. Thanks, Dennis. Yes, welcome um, to each of you out there. Uh, It's a bit of a rough day here um, that we're recording it. Um, But... um, We have a great God and he cares for us. For my part um, in this program, we've been going through the book of Revelation and the book of Revelation is such a marvellous book and it's especially important, especially for these days in which we live. Um, We're in the middle of COVID-19, which is um, a problem that's ravishing the world. Many people have lost their lives. And the Bible talks about many disasters and many of these um, pandemics or pestilences um, plaguing the world in the last days. And I, um, I've just I mentioned a few times um, we have these booklets um, uh, for lay people taking you through the book of Revelation, and they're very good. Um, and you just put it into Google if you want to get them or have a look at them. Revelation, hope, meaning, and purpose. Revelation, hope, meaning, and purpose. And that's what the Bible's all about. <clears throat> now, last time I was here, we were talking about the sixth church. The sixth church. And that's the church of Philadelphia. And that's in Revelation 3, verses 7 um, down to 13. Now, I <clears throat> I was working through um, the thought that um, focusing around verse 10, verse 10 and 11, and it says, Since you have kept my command to endure patiently, I will 
also keep you from the hour of trial that is going to come upon the whole world to test those who live on the earth. And in verse 11 is, I'm coming soon, hold on to what you have so that no one takes your crown. Right, I mentioned last time that it's really interesting in the book of Revelation you have um, the six, seven churches, seven seals, seven trumpets and seven plagues. And what I was saying, um, it's not my idea, um, but the sixth the sixth church, the sixth of every one of those things is the final crisis uh, that Satan will bring upon the world and God will allow it for his purpose. So <clears throat> I want to. I, I was talking last time um, about the evidence um, why God's people were going to be kept from this trial. Now... <clears throat> This is not the trial that will test both um, God's people and those who are not God people, which is in Revelation 13 and 14. Right? This is a different trial. So I, I want to explain today what that trial is. Um, but just going through, giving you um, some reasons why um, God's people are going to be kept um, from this final trial is um, <clears throat> now one of the reasons for this is and it says in verse um, 10 which I just read it says um, <clears throat> since you have kept my command to endure patiently patiently right so They've endured patiently. Now, when you go to Revelation 13, you have that same thought in verse 14. Now, Revelation 13 and 14 is um, the end time crisis. Now, this is a test for both um, God's people and those who are not God's people. So, in Revelation 13, you have... um, Two beasts, one that comes up from the sea and one that comes up from the earth. Now, when it says a beast, when you look at Daniel, the book of Daniel, and especially Daniel chapter 7, it explains that a beast is a kingdom. Right? So these are two kingdoms. And the issue is going to be around worship. Verse 7, it says, this is talking about the beast that comes out of the sea or the kingdom that comes out of the sea. And it was granted to him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And authority was given to him over every tribe, tongue, and nation. And all who dwell upon the earth will worship him whose names had not been written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Right? And it says, Anyone who has an ear, let him hear. He who leads into captivity will go into captivity. He who kills with a sword will be killed with a sword. Then it says, Here is the patience of. No, here is the patience and the faith of the saints. See, it says, They have endured. Where does it say there? Uh, Since you have kept my command to endure 
patiently. I will keep you from the hour of trial. So this trial here in Revelation 13, um, there's one other final trial. But um, now it's really interesting that the issue is going to be over worship. Worship. All the world will worship him. So this is going to be forced worship. Now, when you go down um, to the the second beast or the second kingdom um, in Revelation um, 13, and it says, and he, talking about this second kingdom, and deceives those who dwell on the earth by the signs which he was granted to do. And then it said... um, uh, which was granted to do in the sight of the beast, telling those who dwell on the earth to make an image. Um, and then it says he was granted power to give breath to the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause as many who would not worship the image of the beast to be killed. And he causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hand and on their forehead. And no one can buy or sell except he who is the mark. Right, so that's force worship. And it's going to come upon all. And only those who don't have their name on the Lamb's Book of Life um, will worship that kingdom or that beast. So talk there about um, God's people being faithful or patient. And in verse 12, Revelation 14, verse 12, it says, Here is the patience of the saints. Here are those who keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. So this worship, this worship has to do with (coughs) God's commandments. And it's going to be against God's commandments, and especially the first four commandments. Thou shalt have no other gods, right? And uh, the first four commandments. But anyhow, when we get to that, we will talk about that. Um, So this is not the test that God is going to save God's people from. Now, what I want to do is talk about this final this final test which is going to come upon the whole world. Now, it's really interesting that um, <clears throat> this, is the, this is the test of Armageddon, the test of Armageddon. Now, remember that I said the sixth of everything, the sixth church, the sixth seal, the sixth trumpet, the sixth plague, the sixth plague. You go to the sixth plague and that's where it talks about Armageddon. Armageddon. So um, verse 12, it says, this is Revelation 16 and verse 12, it says, The sixth angel poured out his bowl on the great river Euphrates, and its water was dried up to prepare the way for the kings of the east. And then he saw three unclean spirits coming out of the frog, out of the mouth of the dragon, out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet. Right. And then it says they perform signs and wonders and all that and uh, to deceive. And then it says, behold, 15, behold, I'm coming. I'm coming as a thief. See this coming again? Blessed is, is he who watches and keeps his garments, lest he walk naked 
and they see his shame. And then it says, and they gather together to the place in the Hebrew called Armageddon. Now, Hollywood, they have Armageddon as a physical battle, but this is a spiritual battle, and it's a battle for the mind. It's a battle for the mind of both men and women. Now, this final test, like it says in Revelation um, 3 and verse 10, since you have kept my command to endure patiently, I will keep you um, from the hour of trial. Now, when you think of Jesus, when you look at Jesus, that helps us to <clears throat> know what it's going to be like for his people. Now, for instance, Jesus said that... Um, my hour has not yet come. It's in the book of John quite a bit. And then he said, my hour had come. This is the hour of trial. And that related to Gethsemane and the cross. Right? <clears throat> so the hour of trial. Now this is the final hour of trial. Now we must go to the book of um, the Thessalonians. Now that's book of Thessalonians is all about uh, the second coming. It's the it's the last <coughs> um, letters to the see Paul wrote to seven churches. Romans to Thessalonians. Romans is all about justification, how to be right with God. And Thessalonians, oh, I'm getting tongue-tied here. <laughs> Thessalonians um, is about the second coming. Now, when you go to chapter 4, and then verse 16 and 17, and this is what it said, talking about the second coming. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command and with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. And in verse 17 it says, And, and after that we who are still alive will and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds that meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Boy, won't that be a wonderful day to be with Jesus forever and ever and ever and ever. Man, you want to be there, my friend. I want to be there. There is no more lovelier person in the universe than Jesus. Now, you can understand people, um, this church, thinking that Paul is going to be alive when Jesus comes. You would, wouldn't you? Just by reading that. So that's what the, um, the, that church did. They thought Paul would be alive and they thought Jesus must be coming soon. But Paul quickly wrote Second Thessalonians and uh, to show them that the <coughs> key signs before Jesus come must happen. Right? Now, if you read chapter 2, I'll just read a bit here, and it says, Concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered to him, 
we ask you, brothers, not to become uneasily settled or alarmed by a prophecy or report or supposedly had come from us saying that the day of the Lord had already come. And then verse 3, it says, Don't let anyone deceive you in any way, for that day will not come. And we'll, we'll come back to this first, but I think we'll have a break, um, Lynette. We'll have a break now. First Thessalonians, that um, they believe that Paul would be alive uh, when Jesus comes. But then he quickly, quickly um, wrote Second Thessalonians and sent it to them. And then <clears throat> he's saying there's two key signs. And I'll read the verse where it says, this is verse 3, uh, Second Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 3, it says, don't let anyone deceive you in any way, for that day will not come until the rebellion occur. Right, so that's the first key thing. And the man of lawlessness is revealed, the man doomed to destruction. 
right? So you've got two things there. You've got um, <clears throat> the great rebellion and the man of lawlessness. Now, these things have got to happen before the end of the world. Now, what is the great rebellion? Because <clears throat> that's what it says, doesn't it? Until the rebellion occurred. Different versions will say it in different ways, but really means the same thing. Now, I looked up the Amplified Bible. Amplified Bible expands, um, and this is what it said. Let no one deceive you or beguile you in any way, for that day, which is the second coming, will not come except the apostasy come first. That is, unless the predicted great falling away of those who have professed to be Christian had come and the man of lawlessness, sin being revealed. So there's going to be a great falling away from the Christian church, great falling away um, from God, from those who claim to be Christian. Now, does the Bible anywhere else say that? It does, you know. It does. And um, <clears throat> just to give you one example, for instance, is Matthew 24. Now, Matthew 24, it talks about what we're seeing in the world to now. We're seeing disasters, lots of disasters, verse 7 and 8. He's only the beginning of troubles. Then it says you will be delivered over to tribulation and killed and be hated by all nations. And it says many false prophets will arise and deceive many. Right? And it says because of lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. Other versions like the NIV says the most, most will give it up. And that's what the Greek actually means, most will give it up. So that's a great falling away. That's got to happen. That's got to happen before Jesus comes, the mighty shaking. And we might talk a bit, a bit about that when we get to the church of Laodicea. Now, <clears throat> verse 4, it says, this is back in Thessalonians, Second Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 4. And I'm just going to go through to verse 11. It says, He will oppose, this is the man of sin, um, he will oppose and exalt himself over everything that is called God or his worship. So he sets himself up in God's temple or God's church, proclaiming himself to be God. Right? That's what it says, doesn't it? So this man of sin will profess to be God and uh, will be in the church. Don't you remember that when I was with you, I used to tell you these things. This is what Paul was saying. And now you know what is holding him back. So he may be revealed in the proper time, for the secret things of lawlessness are already at work. But the one who holds him back will continue to do so till he's taken out of the way. Right, so... We believe that's the Holy Spirit holding this man of sin back from um, what he's going to do. And then it says in verse 8, Then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord Jesus will overthrow with the breath of his mouth and destroy by the splendor of his coming. Now see that word coming, um, it, the Greek word is parakletos, always means the second coming, second coming. It's in Matthew 24, um, Mark 13, and Luke 21. Parakletos, the second coming. But verse 9, it says, The coming of the lawless one. 
The coming is the paracletus. It's the same Greek word. Paracletus means the coming, the second coming, right? The coming of the lawless one will be in accordance with the work of Satan, displayed in all kinds of counterfeit miracles, signs and wonders, and every sort of evil to deceive those who are perishing. They perish because they refuse to love the truth. Right? <clears throat> That's what it says, doesn't it? And, um, for instance, the coming of the Lord's one. So this really is about Satan who will counterfeit through his demons and angels all around this world the second coming of Jesus. Now, does the Bible say these things anywhere else? Now, for instance, if you go to First John chapter 2 and... Verse 18, and this is what it says. <clears throat> it says, verse 18, little children, it is the last hour. See the last hour? At the last hour. As you have heard that the, the Antichrist is coming. Even now, many Antichrists. So the Antichrist is coming. So Satan will counterfeit um, the Second coming. Then verse 11 it says, For this reason God sends them powerful delusions so that they will believe a lie. So I wonder what that lie is. So that all who, all will be condemned who do not believe the truth but delight in wickedness. Right, so this is the final um, crisis that will come upon the world. So Satan will counterfeit the uh, second coming of Jesus so to deceive all who refuse to love the truth and but delight in, in wickedness. So that lie is, it's Satan saying, I'm God, worship me. See, this is what he wanted. When you have a look at Revelation 14, I've run out of time, but 12 to 14, re- no, not Revelation, Isaiah 14, 12 to 14. That was Satan's aim when he was cut, kicked out of heaven. And it's the same when in Matthew 24, or Matthew 4, I should say, when the devil said to Jesus, worship me. Right, That's his aim. And at the end of the world, um, a great number, a great number will worship him. So there's only two kingdoms in this world, the kingdom of God and the kingdom of Satan. And you and I are either in one kingdom or the other. Now, if you're not in God's kingdom, you can be in his kingdom because he came to save all. And um, Proverbs 23 and verse 26 says, My son, my daughter, give me your heart. So it says, all who receive him, all who believe on him, become the sons and daughters of God. So why don't you do that today, if you haven't? Because um, what he is preparing and how he loves you is worth everything. So God bless you. We've run out of time, as usual. God bless. Bye. Thank you, Dennis. That was interesting. Yeah, things are definitely heating up in the world and the Bible's making more and more um, sense all the time. So before we go, I'd just like to say um, thank you for listening and a reminder of the free giveaways, the book signs 
at the local takeaways here in Palmerston North and the book Steps to Jesus. So, um, yes, from all of us here at Amazing Grace, we pray that you will grow in grace, the undeserved favour of God. May the love of the Father and the grace of the Lord Jesus and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you. And we'll just have a short short prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time of filling us with your words, your answers in the, in the Bible. Please be with those who listen and help us all to be drawn closer to you, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So God bless from Dennis and um, from me here. Now, bye for now.